Lord, thanks the Lord. Thank you, sweetie. Thanks the Lord and thanks, sweetie. Move hand in hand. You know, we've been talking the last four weeks or so about the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus. And we're still going to be on that subject a little bit, I think. We're going to go and we're going to talk about prayer. How is your prayer life? Well, two of you is doing good. The rest of you need to catch up because you need to be talking to the Lord. How is your prayer life? That's a good question, isn't it? I'm going to tell you how a prayer life should be, and we're going to learn that from no other than Jesus Christ himself. He... Uh, he has given us so much. He has shown us so much. He paid the price that we could not pay. He has extended mercy and grace to us every day. Amen. He loves us. He loves you. I don't care where you've been last night. I don't care where you've been 40 years ago. He loves you today. He loves you this morning. Before you leave this church this morning, He wants to have a conversation with you. Every one of us. Amen. He's a big God. You know, He can carry a conversation on with Ken, and it's just like it's me and him because it is just me and him. And He can turn right around and talk with Sweetie too, and they're having their own one-on-one -on -one conversation. He's the head of everything. Amen. And He is... Uh, what a mighty God we serve. Let's give him some praise before I get started. Ah, boy, that was good. I want to read with you this morning, and I'm going to read the entire chapter of this. We'll get through it pretty quickly. I want you to hear it. I want you to pay attention. I'm going to try to read slow so it can really sink in. You can read with me. And, George, I didn't give you uh, prescription. Uh, prescription. <laughs> The scriptures this morning, so if he can catch up, y'all can read up on the board. If not, open your Bible up to John chapter 17. Prescription. See? Hey, you know what? It is a prescription, isn't it? If you think about it, that's exactly right. Basic instruction before leaving there, somebody told me what the Bible means. Kind of fits, don't it? All right, John 17, chapter 1, we're going to start. And Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. Now, before we go any further, I need to let you know, John is laid out a little bit different than the other Gospels. This is actually just before the betrayal, just before he's arrested. He's having a prayer time. The others didn't record this, but this is there, so it, it did happen. It's just the other ones, God said, don't you write about it, you write about it. And he gets to do that because it's his world. He's the creator of all, so he gets to say how it's laid out. But this is in that same time frame. Is that verse 2. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, folks, if you didn't know it, Jesus was there at the very beginning. He was, he was in the construction process. He was in the planning process for earth. He was there. And so he's letting us know once again in, in this scripture, before this world was, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. You got that? Everything is from God. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them. That's a key thing. They have received them. 
and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. You see that word glorified just keeps coming out. You hear that? Have you been paying attention to that? Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. And while I was with them in the world, I kept, the, I, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and un, none of them are lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Now, folks, we're supposed to be here until he calls us home, and we're supposed to be here doing until he calls us home. Amen? He ain't even praying for us to get out. This is Jesus praying, and he knows how to pray. Trust me, he knows how to pray. What verse was I on? I just broke off. 15. I do not pray for them that you should take them out of the world, but that you could keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I gave them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect, made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have gave me, may be of me where I am. That they may behold my glory, there's that word again, which you have given me, and you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you, have, which you loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the end. Now that's a pretty strong prayer, isn't it? He wasn't asking for a new car, a new job, big bank account, new house. Now he was praying for his brothers the ones that belong to him his, his children really we know that prayer is important it's the most important thing that you'll do besides read your Bible going to work tomorrow making a thousand dollars tomorrow in one day is not going to cut it it's not important the most important thing you'll do tomorrow is you'll talk to your heavenly father through Christ Jesus he made it possible that's the most important thing you'll do. And the second most important thing you'll do is you're going to read your word. And when you don't understand something, you're going to ask him to show you. Now, he might send somebody to explain it to you. He might do that. But you're going to ask him, Father, I don't understand this. And he will show you. If you're seeking it, he will show you. That's the two most important things you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. If you don't have those number one and two on your list, you need to fix it because that's why there's a lot of trouble happening in your life. Because he ain't first. That's an amen place. How important is prayer? Well, we go to Luke 5 and 15. However, the report went well around concerning him all the more. 
And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him in their, of their infirmities. They came to be healed. And so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. All you preachers and teachers and everybody that's sitting out here today, it doesn't matter about how many people sitting in the pews. It doesn't matter how important or how wonderful the service was. That's a good thing. What matters is, is that you have time with your heavenly Father. Great multitudes came to Jesus to be healed. He wanted to touch them. He wanted to do that, but he said, okay, time out. You guys just hang right here. i got to go be along with my Father. Now, he showed us a very important lesson there. It ain't about the crowds. It ain't about the work that has to be done because occasionally you got to check in and get your battery charged. Amen? Now, I used a fellow's tractor the other day to cover up some holes down here to the campground, and I spent three hours trying to get over there to do it. I'd have been better off if I took a shovel and just sweated it out, but I didn't because the battery wouldn't charge. <laughs> And it was hard to get it running. And once it got running, old me heading up a hill in high gear, you know, my hand slipped off of the gear shift, hit the key, turned it off, and there I sat in a hole with barely signal until somebody like Eddie came to my rescue. Sweetie was on her way. And we got boosted off and did it again. We got the work done, and we slipped and hit it again, and it died, and the thing was still dead. Alternator ain't working or the battery is not good at all, but the point is we occasionally got to disengage so we can go to our Heavenly Father and get recharged. Amen? Because if you ain't doing that, the devil's going to be standing on the sidelines throwing everything he can at you, and before long, you're going to feel like a poor little old weakless, helpless nothing, and you'll be lashing out at everybody around you because your life ain't working out right. Am I right on that? That's what happens. And the reason is, we didn't plug in to where the power source is. We got to plug into him. We got to talk to him. We got to listen to him. And we got to put this inside of us. That's how we talk to him. You know why we do that? Here's a good, here's a good thing to think about. The reason we do that, the reason we do that, sorry, is because when we hear back, we need to know it's him. Now, I can call down to Sweetie's mama's whenever her and her two sisters is down there with her mama. And you know what? I have to be real careful when I'm talking. I don't talk to her sisters like I talk to my wife. Amen? If you ain't doing that, man, you need to say amen and get in, get in line. But whenever they get on the phone, it's hard to tell who's who. So I have to fill them out for a bit. Same thing. There's certain things that Sweetie says or the way she says them, her sisters do not, and then I know that it's my wife. You understand what I'm talking about? And it's the same thing. You know, we always go with the feel thing, don't we? Well, I feel this or I think that. It doesn't matter what I feel or think. It doesn't matter what Brother Murphy feels or thinks. It doesn't matter what you feel or think. What matters is it doesn't line up with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it wasn't him talking. Might have been a beautiful voice, might have looked pretty, and it may actually would have played into the flesh. But if it's not lining up with the Word, then it ain't him talking. Been a lot of stuff done in this world because God told me. God didn't say a word because he didn't even match up with his Word. Men and people like that have gone and have stepped out of ministry. I'm, I'm talking ministry teaching people about Jesus, and then they have a lifestyle change. And then they wonder, well, God made me that way. No, no, God did not make you that way. Something happened along the way, but God did not tell you to go there. That's not what he does. He does never, he'll never go against his word. And that's why Jesus, he showed us, you got to stay plugged in. Let's go to Luke uh, 6 and 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out of the mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. By a show of hands, how many of you have spent all night in prayer to God? Jesus did. And I did one night. It was about four or five months after I started pastoring this church. And man, it seemed like the bottom was falling out everywhere. Everywhere. 
Did nobody show up to sing? Did nobody know how to do anything? It was terrible. And I came up here and about froze to death one night because I said, Jesus froze in the garden. I'm going to too. My main thing was, I'm going to talk to God. You remember that, sweetie? Eddie remembers. I kept the lights out. I didn't turn music or anything else on. I did not want to be distracted. And I laid here and I made this floor wet on this side. Then on this side, I was everywhere. Saying, Father, you opened up this door for me and I asked you and you said, do it. And I've done what you've asked me to do. What's going on? What's going on? And I got, right, I got right tight with the Lord that night. You don't owe me anything, Lord. I'm just the man that you called and saved one day. You, you felt I was worth being saved, and obviously you felt I was worth stepping into the position that you had. But what's going on? What are you going to do, Lord? Because you know what? He showed me right quick. It ain't about Ken and what Ken's capable of doing or not capable of doing. It's all about him. So I started putting it back to him, and I said, Lord, what are you going to do about it? I can play a radio if that's what you want, but we got this. You showed us to put all these thingy jigs in the floor and run wires back and got a system up yonder, you know, that can split it all up and, and make it sound good. There's nothing wrong with that. But something ain't right here because we put this in because you showed us to do this, and now what's happening? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? And I was stubborn. I said, I ain't quitting. You want me done, you tell somebody to get me out. But I ain't stopping. I want you to do something. And I don't understand it. And Lord, we went to an Easter egg hunt. Danny and, and Allison showed up. Hadn't been coming to church here for a bit. And I said, man, we need help. What do you think? <laughs> now, how did that happen? Did that happen just because I saw somebody could play music? I got news for you. You can play all the music in the world, but if you ain't anointed, it ain't going to happen. It's that simple. But that's what the Lord laid on my heart. I said, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing now. I'm going to follow you. And we see where we're at today. But I can tell you now, I was about ready to call Jimmy Ayers and say, hey, you still got that spot open for me because the bottom doesn't going to fill out this thing and uh, I'm going to come back where it's safe. But I didn't. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Amen. So I can say I've spent one all-nighter with the Lord. And it's a shame that it had to go come from a bad place that I would want to spend that kind of time with him. I've stayed awake some nights, and I've talked to him in the wee morning hours. But I hadn't pulled an all-nighter to where there was nothing distracting me since then. Maybe I need to do that again. Maybe we all need to do that. Amen? Maybe we all need to do it because our Lord did and he came from heaven. You know, him, him God's like that. He, he, he had his ear. He knew what was going on. So he spent an all-nighter in prayer. In Mark 1 and 35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen long while before daylight, he got up really early before everybody else, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Jesus prayed. And the disciples in Acts 6 and 4 says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Continually to prayer and ministry of the word. Do you know how? Give me my Bible, sweetie. I got to hold it up. I threw that thing and it was costing a lot of money. It might slip out of my hand. You know how important this is? It's so important that all I need to do really is start reading for an hour and finish up. That's how important God's Word is. There's nothing more I can add to it. That's how important this Word is. This is the Word that changes lives. This is the Word that brings people from the place of where they're in the grips of hell and they step up and now they're sitting next to the throne of heaven. They're going in talking to God Almighty. They're praying to Him all because of the power that's in this living Word. It's powerful. There's nothing like the Word. Jesus knew that. The disciples knew that. Think about it. Here poor old Peter is, 50 days early, done denied Jesus, went out and, and cried like a little girl. God 
said, no, okay. Jesus said, come back, talk to me after he's resurrected. They have a little chat together. He gets restored, and he's the guy that God used to talk to 3,000 people. The first sermon that was ever preached after Jesus Christ was dead and resurrected was Peter. And 3,000 got saved. Can you imagine if 3,000 people got saved this morning at every church? Woo! Boy, I'm going to tell you what, that'll make you excited. Why? They spent their time continually in prayer and ministry of the word. That's what they did. That's what they were called to do now. You're saying, well, I'm not a preacher. Okay, that's good. Most every one of us ain't supposed to be. Continually in prayer. In, verse in John 17 and 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word, and that they shall be as one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see that? Jesus wasn't just praying for those guys. Brother Murphy, that day when he said that prayer, that was for you in 1966 when you started pastoring the church. And every day from then to now. By the way, he was praying for old Ken too. And every preacher that's pouring their heart out this morning to congregation so that God's work can be done and that things can move, lives can be changed, he was praying for them. And tomorrow, if it comes, he's praying for them tomorrow. That's what that says. Not just these, but the ones that come after who have believed what they've taught. But you got to see this. We got to be in one. We got to love in one. It's got to happen. Otherwise, we can sit and we can come up with all kinds of excuses why the church is emptying out, why this ain't happening, that ain't happening. I'm going to tell you right there is the reason. It's so that the world will believe. Why? When they look at us. You know, if you work in corporate America and Bob don't like Bill and they sit here and fight all the time and fuss and trying to get ahead of one another, just elbowing him out of the way and telling the boss what he did, whether he did it or didn't, the backbiting. That's what the world does to get ahead. That's what the world does to get its own way. Not the church. If the church is doing that, Jesus Christ ain't in it. I said, if the church is doing that, Jesus Christ ain't in it. And, and if you got that going on in you, don't be pointing no fingers at nobody else. Look in the mirror. That's who it is. You're one of them. Am I right? If we'll do this, that way that the world will believe. Other people will believe, and they will know. Why? Because you ain't like the rest of them. That's what he's talking about. So, He prayed, prayed for them. And he showed us that we should be praying for one another. Amen? Not to point at them, not get them, God. No, you don't have to tell God to get nobody. He knows what he's doing. That's what's going on inside their heart. You ain't got to sit God on nobody. No, but you need to be talking to God and saying, help them. They ain't acting like Jesus. Something's going on. Jesus, you need to help him. I'm the one that needs to help him. I'm the one that's the problem. I need Whatever. You need to talk to God and we need to lift each other up in prayer. You see, I pray for some people in my life. And I'm going to tell you right now, none of y'all first on the list. I'm sorry. I pray for this young lady right here. This is my wife. This is my helpmate who God has given me. Lord, help her. Because if he's helping her, that's going to help me. That's how this thing works. We get entwined together. Then I pray for my babies. They get prayed for. And I'm going to tell you some other people I'm praying for, and I probably ain't never met them, and that's their spouses. And I know she does too. I want them to have good, godly spouses so that they can grow together and they can live a life that's supposed to be lived how God meant for it to be. I'm praying for Megan's husband. I don't know who he is. I was going to she ain't here. So. But I'm praying for Pete's husband. That's as simple as that. And I'm praying for Ryan's wife. He's got a little old girl now, boy. She's got him wrapped around her finger. And I'm just praying, Lord, if this ain't the one, send her on. If she's the one, let them grow. And you know, they'll have a good testimony. God brought us together at a Christian school. And, you know, her dad's a pastor. And, and so 
you know, but I'm like, I'm not going to leave it at that. All this other stuff looks good, but God, is this the one that you want for Pete or for Bub? Help him. I'm praying for our future grandchildren if time lasts. That their moms and dads and the other families that come in, they're going to know how important God is supposed to be. That's the kind of prayers I'm praying. Then I get around to you guys. Is that okay? If it ain't, you need to call Brother Shaw because I ain't the guy for you. They're coming first. I'm praying for my babies and for my wife. And I'm praying for our church. And I'm praying for each one of you as the Spirit leads me. Do I lift every one of your names up every day? I'm going to tell you now, no, I don't. But as the Spirit leads me, I'm lifting up. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove it. Man, I, is that the second hand on the eight or is that the... I'm like, man, we got to go to two today. We just canceled church tonight. <laughs> but Jesus prayed that God would be glorified. That was the purpose. That was the reason. And the purpose of prayer is that God will be glorified, and that's why we do it. And what, and what is it that will gets God to be glorified it's that his will gets done you understand that it's about his will being done Jesus came to do the will of the one that sent him right his heavenly father he checked with him in with him every day probably all throughout the day saying Lord what do you want to do we know he did with Lazarus because he prayed in the middle of the day and said father so that you can be glorified so I can be glorified let's raise him up and we know that happened right but there are four types of different people sitting in the congregation, quite possibly this morning. Lands on you, let the Lord just show the devil he ain't got no hold no more. There are those that are indifferent. They could care less about the will of God. It's that simple. They're not concerned at all about the will of God. Probably haven't, can't tell you what I said ten minutes ago. Those are the ones that are indifferent. And then there's the rebellious ones. The rebellious ones don't like to be told what to do. Amen? This Bible is for correction and reproof, isn't it? Then rebuke. When rebuking comes, you've got to take it as good as you do the exaltation to get exhilarated and get lifted up. It all has to come. And that's what the Word does. But most rebellious people, they don't like being told what to do. They get mad quick. You tell me what to do. But if it lines up with the Word of God, they're the ones that be praying, not thy will be done, but my will be done. Then you have the ignorant ones. That's the scary ones. They don't practice the principles of the Bible. They don't believe in certain things. They delete, they take away. Most of all, they don't want to know. If I don't know, then I'm not held accountable. Right? Don't we see our little kids do that sometimes? Yeah, hide their eyes like you can't see them. We're the same way with God sometimes. If I don't know it, if I don't hear it, then I'm not accountable for it. Oh, yes, you are. While I was busy, I had a thousand cinder blocks to lay, and I had—I did all that stuff this week too. Not a thousand cinder blocks; it wasn't that many. But no, God said there's 24 hours in every day, and you're gonna work for six of them, and you need to give one of them a rest day. That's for the Lord. That's for your body to recover. And friend, I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have enough time to get done everything you're doing, and particularly everything you're doing is keeping God out of the way, you are a poor steward. Because God figured it out right in the very beginning. This is all you need. Amen? Ain't this tight? I want to be everybody's friend, but I love Jesus more. I'm sorry. It's tight. But then there are the sanctified crowd. Look in verse 17 of, of chapter, chapter, chapter 17 of John. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You see that? Now I have chewed and man, me and Brother Murphy, man, back when me and Brother Murphy, I said it real fast and it didn't come out right. We had a lot of talks about this a long time ago when I was coming up as a young Christian. I didn't understand everything. I couldn't fit it all together. And like a dummy, I was seeking everybody else's opinion too. And I got to chewing, and I've been chewing on this, and it talks about sanctifying. I'm going to say something that might rock your theology a little bit, but hear me out, okay, till we get to the end. Sanctification is not about you being made holy. 
Everybody's waiting. I know you are because you're like, that's, you're walking off close to the edge then. If it's about that, then why did Jesus sanctify himself? He was already holy. You understand? Didn't I read that in, the, in, the, in that prayer? I sanctify myself. He's already holy. Sanctification is to be set apart. To be set apart for an intelligent purpose. You see, Jesus had a purpose. You remember he was at the he's at the wedding, and they said his mama came and he called her woman. Oh boy, I'd done that, I'd eat my teeth. Woman, my time has not yet come. He had a specific purpose. But yet he did these things. This was what needed to be done, but he came for a specific purpose. You and I have a specific purpose. Sanctification is about pleasing God. Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. So simply doing things that please God, how do you know? Right here. Now, if you're sanctified, obviously you're going to be holy. That has to happen, but that's what it's about. It's about doing the will of the Father. It's plain and simple. Doing the will of the Father. How did Jesus do the will of the Father? It was because of his intimate relationship with God. That's how he knew what to do. For us, it's to do the same thing in the Word and in prayer. To be like Jesus was. We've got to get into the Word. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to have the relationship with God Almighty that he can lead us. Now let me ask you a question. Which did Jesus do that was more spiritual? The Sermon on the Mount? Raising Lazarus from the dead? Washing the disciples' feet? Or spitting on the ground? You remember he spit on the ground so he could put mud in the fellow's eye to heal him. You do that today, somebody will hit you. Even if God said to do it. Let me ask you, which one is more spiritual? They all are. You're exactly right. Neither. Because every one of them, God told him what to do. Amen? Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked out how it did. Raising Lazarus from the dead was a spiritual thing. It wasn't one more important than the other. They were all important because they were all what God had told him to do. He always did the will of the Father. Now, I have the question, was Jesus sanctified to preach or to spit? Neither. He surrendered his heart to God. That's what sanctification is about, surrendering to God. Surrendering to God. Surrendering to God. You see, you don't surrender to a task. You don't surrender to the task of saying, I'm going on missions. If God tells Ken to go and live in, in New Guinea and preach the word, what's that to you? You can sit here and tell me there's a guy across the street that needs to be saved. Yeah, he does. But God told me to do this. So I got to do what God told me to do. You don't get to tell me what to do. I don't get to tell you what to do if Jesus is at the center. That's who we follow. You see, he knows how to do all this thing, right? So it's not about the task that's got to be done. It's not about the calling that you have because Peter wanted to go into Asia and God said no. He said, the spirit of Jesus forbade me. Sent him to Macedonia instead. Even though he was doing a spiritual work. Y'all have heard this before. But let me ask you this. Man, I wish I'd have brought a hammer with me. Picture a hammer. That's a tool, right? What can a hammer do? Let's pretend my glasses are a hammer. Except. Right, it's just going to sit there. But with that hammer in the tools of the person that is the craftsman, the guy that's controlling it, that hammer can do a lot of things. It can drive nails. It can drive stakes out here to mark a grave. It can break through a wall that you're trying to tear out. It can actually be used to murder somebody. Uh, yeah, defend you. That hammer is a tool. Brothers and sisters, you and I are in the tool shed. We're just the tools. He is the master craftsman. So if he's telling Susie to do this, and then he's over here telling Judy to do that, 
Ain't neither one of them more special than either. The, what's happening is that she's doing the will of God, and she's doing the will of God. And Brother Willie, he joined in and starts doing the will of God. And Brother Ken, he's doing the will of God. And before you know it, everything is working toward the will of God. Amen? That hammer will not get up and do anything by itself. Don't be a dead hammer. Because every one of us, when we got saved, have a purpose. Right? Some get to do things better because if Jesse hadn't got up and played drums this morning, Danny had already asked me to do it. Now, about best, best I can do is keep a, a beat. Jesse, he's putting that fancy stuff in. Ryan puts the fancy stuff in, and it sounds good, right? Does it take away from the worship? Worship comes from here. I'm sorry if you need a set of drums to get worship out. You need to learn who Jesus is. You need to learn how to worship, right? But it does enhance it. So Ryan is obviously better on the drums than I am. Can we get an amen on that? Y'all heard me play. Amen. Brother Murphy's there. He used to play too. But you see what I'm talking about? That's not what I was called to do. That's not the gift I've been given to do. Amen. So it's just like the hammer. A screwdriver is an important tool too for the job that's needed to be done. You see, the Bible says, I think it's in Hebrews 12, ain't it? I can't quote it. Help me with that. Is it 12? Hebrews 12? Ah, it just came in. Somebody look it up quick. I'm dying here. That we're basically, we're fitly joined together as he pleases. You're in the body where he wants you to do whatever the calling is. The thing is, you don't get to pick your calling. He picks the calling. And here's the thing. He says his word his spirit is the one that's going to show us. Anybody can get up and read the Bible and talk about it. Not anybody can do it without the anointing of God. You understand? There is a difference. Anybody can teach the Sunday school class. But is I have to teach the Sunday school class? Or if it's the calling, I can't wait. I can tell you, there's been a lot of messages God's put on my heart. And I'm just like, that's the one. That's the one. A bottom's going to drop out of the church, and man, we're going to see something. And then every I come in on Sunday night, and I'm like, what in the world happened? Did I get in the way, Lord? Still ain't got the answer, so I can't tell you the answer to it. You understand? It's not about the spit on the ground that healed the man. That's the power of God that healed the man. Jesus just had to follow suit. Sometimes he might ask you and me to follow suit and do something that's going to be out of the ordinary. And you're like, man, they're all going to get mad at me and hit me. But you have to follow what God gives you. Amen? We have to follow what he gives us. So he sanctified himself, and we're to be sanctified. Set aside for a specific purpose to do the job that he has given us to do. You see, we can get out of that, out of whack with that. And you're going to have people that's going to tell you, that's not God. Right. I'll never do that. God told you to do something unless it is totally against the will of God. I'll never tell you that unless you say God told you to become a homosexual, rob a bank, or anything like that. I'm going to tell you, no, God didn't tell you that. But whether or not you should be in Alta Vista tomorrow parties at 8 o'clock to meet Bob because you've been working with Bob and trying to get Bob to come to Jesus or whether you should be in UVA at the hospital in the morning you got to talk to God about that right and I'm going to show you why Jesus was away ministering Doing the will of the Father. We all know that he always did what the Father did. So he never sinned. He never did anything wrong. Everywhere Jesus was, it was the right time. Everything worked out exactly right. Amen? But he had some religious people that sat and told him when Lazarus died. His even followers said, should we not go back? They sent word, you remember? He's sick. He's dying. And Jesus didn't say anything. Now we'll stay here a few more days. Did he hear all the behind his back? You know, I don't know if this guy knows what he's doing or not. He ain't with God anymore. No, not Jesus. He did what he had to do. He said, all right, boys, let's go. He shows up. Lazarus is dead, been dead a bit. By now he stinketh. 
who came out? His close friends. Mary and Martha. Lord, if you'd have just been here, he would not have died. What's wrong with you? I sent word to you, and I know you got it. Jesus started weeping, and he prayed to the Father, and he resurrected him from the dead. Why? Because that was God's will. It wasn't his will to be there to keep him from dying. It was his will to show up after he'd been in the, day, in, in the ground for three days. Moses, I mean, we all like Moses, right? He went from missionary to murderer, right? Went to go free the Hebrew children and ended up killing a dude, right? Put God's whole program behind 40 years. I think God already knew it, so they wouldn't behind. But it could have worked out earlier. Because he didn't do exactly what God had told him to do. We're dealing with problems in this world today because of another fellow, Father Abraham. You know, we sing about him. He has many sons, and many sons has Father Abraham. Well, he had one too many. Because God said you're going to have a baby and this is going to be your seed. This is going to be the start of it. And if him and Sarah would have just waited another 15 years, God's plan would have worked out. But they took bet matters into their own hands. Then they bring old Hagar in, the Egyptian girl. He goes in, lays with her, and then we get Ishmael. That's why we've got Islam and all the trouble going on in the Middle East today. It's that simple. Because they couldn't wait. You're 80 years old and ain't had a baby yet. You can wait another 15 years. Come on. Am I right? This is what God said. So you don't need to go lay with that. Yeah, that's another lesson right there. You know you can get caught up in somebody else's mess. If she'd been praying, she'd say, oh, I ain't touching that. You ain't a friend neither. But God said we're going to have a kid, so I guess we better take it. Should Think I should take matters into my own hands? No, sometimes you just need to wait on the Lord. Amen? Sanctification. <laughs> it's about being led aside for a purpose. And if we're all sanctified, that means Jesus is in the center and we're all heading to the same place. And that means the world will know. We want to save people. We want to reach people. Knock on all the doors you want. I've done hit all of them two or three times in this neighborhood. That don't bring people to church. Have all the Easter egg hunts you want. That don't bring people to church. Have all the concerts you want. That will bring them in for a night. Brother Dave, we can feed them spaghetti, and we can love on them, and we should be doing that, but we would already know that doesn't keep people in church, does it? If we start having spaghetti every morning, it will for a while. They'll get tired of eating spaghetti. They'll go somewhere else. Come on, folks. You know what I'm talking about. No, it takes the unadulterated power of God to do the moving. Whenever you're in trouble, you've got nowhere else to turn and you lay for all night talking to God, that's whenever you know He's real. That's whenever things start happening. And when you get sanctified, you start following God, you start seeking God's will, that's when things will happen. He's the one that will bring them in when we become the hospital that will be able to work on those that are sick. If we're full of gossip, if we're full of hatred, we're full of all kinds of things that go on that goes against the word of God, the slandering, all these kinds of things. We got murder in us, we got strife in us, we got division in us. God ain't bringing new converts here to be saved. Why? Because what are you going to teach them? Well, I read it out of the Bible, but you ain't living it. Amen? I told Megan that she shouldn't speed. She speeds a little bit. Why? Because she's rode with me. I spent 22 years on a cruiser running 10, 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. I just told on myself, didn't I? Hey, I'm human, but you understand what I'm talking about. And that's what we need to be. We need to have the Spirit of God come in and run our services once again. Now, how good you can play the guitar, how good Ryan can play the drums, how good Allie can sing, and, you can, and all, you, all that happens good. But it has to be for the Spirit of God. Of God. If you came seeking today, do I have to get you built up to a certain place before you get out of your seat and come and receive from God? No. It shouldn't. You should come and receive from God because you can come and kneel to this altar and you might have to be here till two. You may have to take seconds on chicken at the restaurant, but you need to stick around until God is ready to move. And then when you receive, you know who He is, you know what He's done. 
I mean, I, can, I know how to do that. I've been to enough of these conferences and seen all these things, and we can get the right kind of musicians up, and I can lilt my voice and get you worked into a fever pitch, but that does absolutely no good when you walk out the door carrying the same junk you came in with. Amen? Walk out carrying the same junk you came in with, so we had a good service. Really? You had a good service, and you're still dealing with this? No, no, a good service is whenever you meet up with God and whatever this was that's been weighing you down stays at the altar, at the foot of the cross, and it don't go out the door with you. That's a good service. And we got to be hungry because he will draw near to his people when we praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. Don't tell me you're sanctified, just live it. I don't need to know. I'm not the judge. Live it. Live it. Live it. Because the Word will show us everything we need. Jesus prayed that we would be that way. 2,000 years ago, and it's still active today. Ken ain't where Ken needs to be. So when we get ready to pray here in a minute, I'm going to the altar. And you might want somebody to come pray with you, and if you do, and if you want me to pray with you, come and knock on my shoulder, and I will. Or grab somebody's arm, somebody that you know that will be a prayer warrior with you. But do not let the devil keep you sitting in your seat carrying the same junk you walked in with. That's what this message is about today. Jesus prayed and he showed us how to pray. And by the way, he sanctified himself. He was set apart for a purpose. You know what his purpose is right now? He started out this morning praying for me, preaching. He started out this morning praying for the guy up the road, preaching. He started out this morning for Charlie or whoever's preaching at the campground this morning so that they could do what he needs them to do at the place that they're at for the people that are there for them. He started out this morning, he's praying for Whit down in Alta Vista because you know what? Somebody needs some junk pulled off of them. You understand what I'm saying? He's over in Lynchburg with Jonathan Falwell this morning. He's up in New York City. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there with, with uh, who's the guy up there at Brooklyn Tabernacle? Jim Sampler. He's with him this morning. Why? Because there's street people coming in. Some of them may be dressed up like guys, but they're really girls and vice versa. But they're coming in, and why? Well, so that they can be reached and their lives can be changed. I'm tired of the religion playing. No, let's be real. Let's be real so that people can be set free from the stuff that has them. Maybe you got a bad report from the doctor this week. Our God's in control. Amen? He wants you healed. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is receive. And you got to be willing to tell somebody, this is what the Lord's done for me. But he actually might say, no, it's time for you to come home with me. Are we okay with God's will? Amen? Are we okay with God's will? That's where we got to be. Your cousin's doing wonderful, right? Didn't look too good a few weeks ago when he crashed, but he's doing good. It's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. I prayed to him not to say, Lord, I, you, you know, you need to hear from Ken because you know, this boy needs his spleen fixed. And he need, no, Father, you know what's going on in this boy, and I ask that you will help this family. Help this young man wherever he is. Whatever your purpose is in this, if I'm the one that you need to go talk to him, I'll go. I'll say whatever you need to say. But I do know this, I'm going to keep lifting him up in prayer. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. I don't know what God's will is for that. He hasn't told me. But if he does, I'll certainly let you know. And I won't have no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Amen? So stand to your feet this morning. I want to invite you this morning if sanctification is something you need. And by the way, if you're living, you need it. I don't care if you got saved last week or 75 years ago. You still need to be even more sanctified. We have to get every day into the will of God to be set aside, to be a part of what His will is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we don't seek Him, we'll never find out what His will is. The same God that called us and saved us is the same one that promised He would send His Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us every single day. Do you trust Him? Well, I love him, but do you trust him? If you don't trust him, I don't know how you can love him. Amen? Uh, somebody got a song, you, Brother Murray, I don't care. Somebody play a song.
Somebody come and sing. Come on, come and play, sing together. Good night. We can all do it. Amen. But I want to ask you this morning to come and receive what God has for you. Maybe you need peace about something that's going on in your life and you just can't find peace about it. You just can't put two and two together and you know the scriptures, but maybe you just need God to help you. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost to come and help you with what you're facing right now. Maybe you need to say an apology to somebody. Maybe you need to receive an apology from somebody. Amen? Didn't Jesus go to the cross so we could have reconciliation? Yes, he did. Whatever it is you're carrying this morning, brothers and sisters, bring it to the Lord. And remember, he's in control. We just we 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 follow him. We hang on to him. Amen. Sometimes things happen, we don't understand it, but God's keeping us from trouble. You ever think of that? Yeah, I didn't enjoy wasting my time sitting on that tractor the other day waiting to get boosted off. But who knows? Maybe a big truck was going to hit me right here at the corner and wipe me out that day. So I'm talking to Charlie Goff, and he's like, it's kind of aggravating. And I said, it is, but you know what? Jesus is in control. I talked to him this morning. And you know what? I'm just good sitting right here. It was quiet. We had a good conversation. It got done when it got done, how it was supposed to be done. Amen? He's in control, folks. Don't ever forget that. Come and pray. Come and pray. Come and pray. Maybe the Bible's telling you that, and the Spirit's telling you you got to have a forgive, some forgiveness in your heart. And you're having a hard time finding that. I'm going to tell you right now, this is the place to be. The Holy Ghost can take you anywhere. He can make things that are as dark as, as they can be. He can shed some light on them. We can see everything. We need Him. We need Him. And we need to talk to Him daily. Wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting at, you don't have to come to the altar to receive it, but I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, talk to the Lord. Don't carry the same junk you walked in with out the door. It's to be deposited here. When it gets deposited here, it gives Jesus glory. Why? Because I preached a word this morning that has got to that place, and He will receive the glory. Right, Brother Mike? He receives the glory for what he's done. No, don't, don't say Ken did this. Ken did this. It ain't about Ken. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about his power. It's about the work of the Holy Ghost. He's the one that can pull the habits and things off of us. Amen? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. We're in 2017. We can look at all kinds of junk on our telephones and nobody's got to know any better about it. Oh, but God's always there, folks. He's always there. He might be calling you right now saying, you know what, I want to forgive you of that, but you have got to receive me. We've got to let Jesus enter our hearts. If we receive forgiveness, then we have to give it. Freely we've received, freely we give. Amen?